we definitely want refuges. And one of the refuges I, you know, is here, Herring Island. And I don't support putting in bridges, I don't support increasing interaction with Herring Island, but I really support Arbury and, you know, in the right spot is terrific, but we also need the client spots. The way we've sort of, how we've got to this point, where it feels like we've sort of lost a bit of disconnection with the environment and everything, and it might be the high sort of intense lives we lead, high stress, and sort of, we've definitely got a bit disengaged with it. Want to learn more about the history of the creek, and particularly the impacts of industrialisation and colonisation on this waterway because it's actually suffered a lot of impacts from post-settlement onwards. Some of that history can actually be seen as you're walking along. There are remnants of that. This is Sonic Landscapes. Small stories of Australian places and spaces. Every day I ride my bike into work along the banks of the Yarra River. The brown ribbon of water scythes through Melbourne, dividing north from south. I ride along Gardiner Creek, past the concrete stormwater drains. After it rains, the drains swell with dirty water, concrete splattered with vibrant graffiti. Some nights riding home I can smell fresh spray paint, chemicals in the air. There's this rickety overpass, and when I ride along it, it carries me past the highway, delivering me to a bike path alongside the Yarra River. Rising above me, the old malting silos at Cremorne. If I get going early enough in the morning, I jostle for space with the rowing coaches on their bikes, megaphones in hand. Thin, elegant rowing boats cut through the water like knives, oars slapping the water. While I puff and pant into my lycra, I think about the river, silent and stoic, impassive, always there, the upside down river. Historically, it is known as Birarung by Melbourne's indigenous people, a place of mists and shadows. The river is a vein, siphoning life to where it is needed most, a dreaming path. In the 1800s, the river was named Yarra Yarra, by John Wedge. The name means ever-flowing in the Wurundjeri language. This piece, called Down by the River, is produced and presented on Wurundjeri land. We acknowledge and pay our respects to the owners and traditional custodians of this land, the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, and to their elders, past, present, and emerging. The Yarra, Birarung, runs through land that was, and always will be, Aboriginal land. I wanted to get closer to the river. I wanted to see where the waters flowed, who spent their time there and why, the people connected to the river. On a cool morning in early November last year, I parked my car near the landing at Herring Island, a small island found on a bend in the river. I was there to speak to volunteers from the Yarra River Keeper Association who were on the banks hauling kayaks and paddles off the back of trailers divvying up personal flotation devices, garbage bags in hand. There they were, giving up their Sunday morning to clean up the rubbish that can be found snagged in the reed beds of the river 
I spoke with Andrew Kelly from the Yarra River Keepers Association, along with Aaron Horsey from the Clean Water Group. I'm from Triple R Radio. My name's Maddie. Aaron, nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. Aaron Horsey from Clean Water Group. Alright. And yeah, uh, I suppose Nikki and I and Andrew came down on this river about 18 months ago and seen all the traps that was behind the reed beds and uh, so we've got to do something about this and that's when we uh, come up with the idea of putting the vacuum system on the boat. So tell me about that. So it was literally just, we do vacuum excavation work up on the Sunshine Coast okay. uh, for the council up there to look yep. after their stormwater devices. Thought, well, let's put a vacuum system on a boat. It's only going to be the only way we could think of that we might be able to, because all the polystyrene beads, it's just too many of them to pick up manually. Yeah. Um, was kind of uncharted, hadn't, couldn't really find anywhere that done sort of vacuuming of rivers before, so we thought we'll do it. Came down in April and I think we moved about five and a half ton in uh, under a week, and then the uh, and then we put in for the Port Phillip Bay grant, and uh, that was successful. And now we're back here for another nine or ten days, and I think the guys have pulled probably close to ten ton of material out so of the is river that this week. Like promising in that, obviously the system is working well, but then disheartening in, in the amount of stuff that's being pulled out of the water. It is disheartening. Um, for me, I would like to see more. Uh, devices upstream closer to the source um, but I think this event and these continued events is going to be great awareness to sort of um, to drive the, um, the necessity I suppose it's that, that, that these devices and, and there needs to be a change uh, change in the way of thinking as far as litter disposal um, the way it package way, way items are packaged there's so much polystyrene um, we look after a number of shopping centres around Melbourne with their stormwater quality and the amount of polystyrofoam and stuff that we're actually pulling out of stormwater pits is just phenomenal. And there's a lot of older assets, properties around Melbourne that are unprotected still. A lot of council um, infrastructure that's unprotected still that's still getting into the waterways. So this will be a great way to raise that awareness and um, work with the different groups to sort of start to look at putting different measures in place. But um, this is a great mitigative type um, measure for a start to have a crew out on the river cleaning it up and yeah like I said they've pulled out phenomenal amounts of rubbish this week um, which is fantastic and the reed beds are, are looking really pretty good but there's there is still more rubbish coming down that river so I guess you can clean um, all you like if it's not sort of being nipped in the bud yeah at yeah the source. we need to be looking close to the source so that's sort of where my passion lies but um, this is still important work too and it's great we're engaging the community in it so that I think um, yeah, it's all good excited for a good day no, no we're just having a chat oh, Maddie. Maddie Andrew nice lovely to meet you. you I thought I'd come over but I wasn't sure with the way the no, microphone was positioned a, I guess about, yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, it's all good thanks for having me down today Much no worries and so we've got kayaks all lined up against the banks here what's happening today and like volunteers will be actually getting out onto the water yes so we've we've lined up a whole bunch of kayaks for them mm-hmm. um i think we'll be a bit short on numbers because of the weather but that's fine and so they'll get out and get into the reed beds and and clean it up and, and part of the intent of that is to get people to understand what we're doing understand what the problem is because one of the key problems is the polystyrene as you just saw you know mm-hmm. and it's impossible to pick up by hand but you can sort of get rid of the big bits and then the vacuum can get rid of the little bits so it's it's bottles um, and polystyrene are what I see most of. Yeah. So. so, Andrew, how long have you been involved in, in river cleanup and, and being involved with the Yarra here? 
Uh, I've been involved for about six, eight years, six, mm-hmm. seven years, six to eight years. So I joined the association, the Riverkeepers. Why did you join? Um, well, I kind of I had a business which I sold most of, not all of, interestingly. I've got a little bit left. Um, so I'd always wanted to do something for the environment and I'd kind of been interested in and I'd published a lot of books about the environment. And so this was kind of my opportunity to do something and I was sort of thinking of the Amazon and you know, Borneo and Cape York and then I realised that I was never going to be able to do anything effective unless it was local and I knew the place mm. and that I knew the people and, and so I joined up and started working with Ian, my predecessor. Uh, then he said, look, come on, join the committee. So I did. And then Ian said, I'm going to retire. <laughs> and here's my protege. And I said, <laughs> please, please, pick me. Wonderful. Um, and that was four years ago, just before the last election. It's been an exciting journey, really. So it started with Nikki and Aaron, really. And, and you went out once on the boat with, with Nikki, didn't you? No, you, you were there the I was there time. the first time. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. that was the first time. Yeah. So we started chatting. Mm-hmm. And, and Aaron, of course, their business is cleaning out litter traps. They have vacuum systems already. And he said, oh, you know, I reckon we could get a vacuum into these reeds and clear up the rubbish. And I said, well, look, we'll, we reckon we can get funding. If we can't get funding, we'll just do it from our resources and we'll give it a crack. So that was how it started off. Yeah, it was uncharted. It was uncharted territory. So you guys went off and built a vacuum. I hadn't quite realised you needed to build a vacuum and uh, a boat was built. A specific vacuum, Um, yeah, to this work. And it's been gone through a few iterations, hasn't it? Well, not iterations, it's tweaks. You know, you've fine-tuned it. And so it's been a really interesting experience. And personally, I think this is the first time that we're doing something that will have a real impact on Bishra on the River. The, 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 the notion that you can leave the cleanups to the community. This is a fabulous event, it's a great education event, but you really need professionals on the water, on the banks, yeah. cleaning it up. I is don't think you can just um, leave it to the community. Hmm? Sorry, I was just going to say, is the, the vacuum that you guys have created, is there a similar system being used anywhere else in Australia? No. This is quite pioneering in that way. This is quite pioneering in that way. Um, I don't know, it's interesting, on the Maribyrnong there's no reed bed, so you can't quite do the same sort of thing. Yeah. But there are a lot of rock walls, so it's very useful for rock walls as well, which are also a kind of litter trap, a natural, not, or a semi-natural litter trap, not, a, not a, an intentionally constructed litter trap, but yeah. act as such. So, I mean, our vision would be to have these guys on the water, you know, 52 weeks of the year. Uh, it'll be interesting to see whether you need that. We're doing three a year. Mm-hmm. And do you need more than that? It's going to be an interesting test. You know, do they clean up the litter? Mm. Um, anyhow, in that sort of, you know, the bulk of it. So we'll see. You know, it's really exciting. You know, it's nice to be innovating. We've Absolutely. got some inquiries around the place, including from overseas. So Someone's got to start somewhere with these kind of ideas. and Yes. Yeah, yeah and it's really fortuitous that... Nikki invited Aaron out on the boat that day and we said, let's give it a go. That's all you can say. Absolutely.
Merry Creek flows through Brunswick East in Melbourne's north, a tributary of the Yarra River, a capillary flowing away from the main artery. Merry Creek runs right through the industrious heart of Brunswick and Northcote. A train station is named in its honour. One evening after work, I caught the tram to the end of the line, got off at the pub on Blythe Street in Brunswick East, turned away from the bright lights of the road, away from people urgently heading home. Cars honked, a chill descended. I felt it around my ankles. I walked down the road, along a path that took me away from the main street, down through the scrub by the creek. Dusk closing in, my eyes failing me in the weak light. At a small grotto by the creek, I met Marita Dyson, one half of the band The Orb Weavers. Marita and her partner, Stuart Flanagan, create music and art, frequently drawing their inspiration from their songs right from nature itself. Marita took me on a guided tour of Merry Creek, leading me through the undergrowth to the water's edge. Yes, um, well we came down specifically to this place, which is right next to the Merry Creek in East Brunswick, because we adopted a greyhound in 2009. And that was the year that our first album came out and um, we started walking our greyhound her name was Fern and we walked her initially around the oval that's quite close to our house and then we walked really for the first time down towards the creek and before we adopted Fern we knew the Merry Creek was here but we really didn't spend very much time walking along it like we'd maybe ridden our bikes down there a few times and so we began coming to the creek every day with her and that really made us kind of become aware of its changing seasons, aware of the plants and the animals that call this area home and it really made us want to learn more about the history of the creek and particularly the impacts of industrialization and colonization on this waterway because it's actually suffered a lot of, um, of impacts from post-settlement onwards and some of that history can actually be seen as you're walking along. There are remnants of that. Can you describe the remnants that you say you can see as you walk along? Well, there's a particular location that is just a little bit south from where we're standing, which is right near Separation Street. And there is a bluestone abutment for a crane. And it, it pokes out over the creek and it has some really strong iron girders poking out. And when I first saw that, I thought, is that the remains of a bridge or is that mm. a bit of a railway? And I soon learned from a, an interpretive panel right next to it that I was standing on the site of a former bluestone quarry. Okay. And that this whole particular site between um, Brunswick Road and right up to Separation Street and all the way along the creek actually, there's a huge bed of cooled basalt, which is cooled lava which is bluestone and so much of Melbourne is built out of bluestone that's been quarried from along the banks mm. of this creek. Like especially in the north, like you see so many buildings and even just the houses are that bluestone. So that's really entrenched in the area in that way. It is, it's yeah. a, the, it is kind of what this place is. This place is made of cooled lava and um, buildings have been built from it, roads have been built from this bluestone. So as you walk along the creek, you see remnants of that quarrying and are reminded of, of its former use and also reminded 
that the whole area was completely denuded of trees and of, of wildlife during that process mm. and that huge holes were dug in the ground to extract the bluestone and those holes had to be filled up in order to create this kind of parkland that we're standing on. So beneath our feet is the remains of buildings that were demolished in the like oh, wow. from the 19th century right through to the 1960s to fill in these huge holes. So there's layers of history, yeah. um, of recent history right here. And you can see that along the creek. You can see it particularly in the bike path cutting just a bit further north mm -hmm. near Ceres and you can see oh, yes. pieces of um, brick and pieces of um, building material poking out of the side of the bike path cutting. Oh, wow. And so you've brought us here particularly so we're in like a little like a little grove I guess right by the river why this spot well this particular spot is important to Stuart and to me because we used to walk down here with Fern and I'll just lead you a bit further yep. along and there's a little path here As we walk along this path, which mm -hmm. is right next to the Merry Creek, but it's not the bike path, it's a little walking track that's that's in between the bike path and the creek. Mm -hmm. And it's been replanted probably um, in the early 1980s, um, and it's been vegetated with plants that are endemic to this area. Mm -hmm. So you have wattles and tea trees, um, grasses, and... Um, and I think that that might be a managum that's, that's mm -hmm. just ahead of us. And these are all plants that would have been growing here before the area was heavily impacted by industry. Mm -hmm. And sometimes to stand here and to see the creek and to be able to smell the plants that mm. are here, particularly in the evening. It's quite heady, yeah. It is. There's mm. that, um, there's the eucalyptus smell in the air. Mm. And it's a really beautiful, um, tranquil, space to contemplate history and layers of history to contemplate the environment what we've lost and also what we can do to bring environments like this back mm. writing songs about places that are dear to people's hearts that people have connections to then that opens up um, conversation mm. with people who we may otherwise not have met so certainly when we perform, like recently we performed some songs that are about the Mooney Ponds Creek and about the former West Melbourne Swamp. Mm -hmm. And we met people who were friends of the Mooney Ponds Creek and who have a lot of knowledge about that area. And they came along to see us perform because they'd heard we um, sang about Mooney Ponds Creek. So then it's a beautiful chance for exchange and we learn a lot from all the people who are yeah. very, very involved in those community groups and those conservation groups so we've yeah it's a beautiful mm. exchange absolutely and you've got a specific song about Mary Creek called Mary can you run me through when that was written and what the catalyst for that was Mary the song was written in late 2009 and 2010 and I remember it clearly kind of working through the second verse when I'd walked down here with Fern and we're actually sitting a little bit further up from here mm -hmm. on a rise underneath. Do you want to show? Can we I walk will. down there now? Yeah, we can. Yeah, great. So this is. I love this section because mm. it's so um, wooded and. Is this a um, is this a path that was sort of on purpose put here? Or it's just sort of organically 
come about over the years with people wanting to get closer to the water? Or you know? I don't know, mm. actually, but I think maybe a bit of both. Yeah. Like maybe it's used by everyone now as a pathway, but maybe it wasn't intended to mm. be. Um, I know that one of the reasons that this area is also protected from say development or um, building is because there's a big power line that runs through here so yes. this is a power line corridor so that protects it because it it's required for that use so it's a huge irony that um, something that is potentially environmentally mm. destructive is also protecting mm. this area and that's something that we've come across with a lot of waterways and kind of um, reserves in the city of Melbourne um, broadly is that some areas have been inadvertently protected because they were considered buffer zones for heavy industry mm -hmm. so particularly in the west of Melbourne um, there are beautiful areas around Altona which um, have ended up being protected or not built on because they're a buffer zone to say mm. petrochemical industry um, and that's an amazing Thing now to yeah. have beautiful vast spaces that are not built upon that have remnant grasslands that are really important to particularly um, insects like the Altona skipper butterfly which is a really oh, important wow. butterfly and um, I know further north from the Mary Creek there are grasslands that are really integral to the blue banded bee mm -hmm. and to I think there's a sun moth that's really well wow. um, really relies on these open grasslands and it would be great for people to feel a sense of love and great affection mm -hmm. for um, the place where we are and for the environment that exists here mm. um, because if you love and care for a place you will you will care for it mm. in that you will um, think about the impacts that your everyday actions have on that place. Mm. I'm a descendant of white settlers who've um, who've come from farming communities, who've come from um, WA, and I need to acknowledge that I, my people, have had an impact on this place. Mm. So I, I need to to reckon with that and mm. to take responsibility for it. So that's something that. I'm trying to work into the songs that we're writing now. You've been listening to Sonic Landscapes, small stories of Australian places and spaces 